for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200 foot podcast. I'm Peter. It is I, Jay. Has everybody noticed that I've been trying to introduce myself in like far more outlandish ways? Nobody's commenting on it, Peter. I'm trying to come up with like, like a like a show stopping way to say my name, and just nobody's yeah. nobody's catching on. Je suis Jetui. It's like, wait, that second, wait, was that his name or is he like, like saying something like a French phrase I'm, I'm unfamiliar with? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll have to look that up. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite French thing was years ago, my father being a sports producer in uh, Montreal and um, he picked up the phone and like an idiot, he said bonjour because I guess in Canada, when you pick up the phone, depending upon how you would answer is how people will talk to you. So it was the front oh, desk no. who said bonjour and the front desk just went full bore into speaking in French. And he's like, Oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Sp- uh, so English. They're like, Oh, no, no problem. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's like, I guess it's like, sorry, that's literally the one word I know. <laughs> that's the one thing I just was trying to be nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's uh it's literally the in-person version of press one for English, press two for French is what it was. <laughs> that's that's um, really funny. Yeah, and then then the only French phrase he learned while he was there was "Je suis whale ou whale which is "I am the whale, where's the lagoon?" So, oh, okay, that's a very fun thing to say when you're a breathtakingly obvious American in a in a French speaking <laughs> yeah. city. So, anyways, <laughs> we, hey, we're so we're we're back. It's episode yeah. fifty seven. Peter, last I checked, there aren't a lot of famous fifty sevens in the league. We might we might have to do some research, but we've usually you know kind of tongue in cheek said, hey, you know we like we've already had our Cronwall episode, our Zetterberg episode, um, you know, but we're you know we're we're in the we're in the weird in between numbers now because you know we're not gonna we're not gonna hit the Larkins till later, we're not gonna hit the Malkins till later, um, certainly not the Crosbys or the Gretzkys. So we, we got some ways off. So. Uh, yeah, well, how how so how you go. felt five, as <laughs> five players? I don't know if this is currently have it. No, sweater numbers are available from 1950-51 season to the present. This is from uh, HockeyReference.com. Um, okay, Gabriel Bork in Colorado, Dante Fabro in Nashville, Tyler Myers in Winnipeg, David Perron in St. Louis, and Trevor Van Riemsdyk in Carolina. So all children. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In in the history of the NHL, all children. Yeah, so I so I think that, that might not necessarily be current because or or maybe they haven't updated because I see they have Franz Nielsen still in 50, for fifty one. Let me check eighty one and see. Yeah, I, I I'm guessing that this hasn't been updated super recently because they have um uh Franz Nielsen as fifty one, but they don't have him in the eighty one thing. So uh, some okay. of those could be current, could be former. I'm, I, I just realized people probably don't really care. So I'm going to, I'm going to shut up about it, but, uh, this could be our, our tra- <laughs> Trevor Van Riemsdyk episode. Hey, w- w- TVR, s- send us a note, send us a tweet. Let us know you're listening. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
so so yeah, so looking at the standings, the Carolina Hurricanes with Trevor Van Riemsdyk are in uh they're they're in third place in the metro now. So they they cooled off a little bit after their hot start. I think they were what five and zero to start. They're five and zero or five and one, yep. something like that. Yep. Um, and now after ten games played, as we record this, they have thirteen points. Um, but that's it's still pretty good. You know, they're they're still in a good position as we record this right now. They're up one zero on uh, Chicago in the second period. Um, so yeah, I mean they've they've been off to a good start. Um, so let me kind of use that as a springboard to, to jump into like a little, little around the league talk. So what, what teams with hot starts? Yeah, I guess we'll just do hot starts. Like, so, so, so what teams that, that have hot starts are you kind of most interested in for whatever reason? I know it's cliche to say, but Edmonton, Mm. not (laughs) like, you know, they're, they're just. I don't know. There's just something about them that I'm like, you know, it's 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 the beautiful it's it's the, the watching. Oh gosh, which which game was that you'd watch in? Uh, oh, it's like the it's like the coin game at like arcades, you know, where you drop the coin in and see like. So there's that one time that one day you walk in and like there's a ton of those coins like on the precipice of falling, and you're like, oh man, how's how far is this gonna go? And mm-hmm. I just I look at Edmonton and I'm like, you have to expect it's going to fall apart at some point. Right. Like it's, but, but it's not, but actually more seriously, uh, Buffalo, I want, I am, I am, I am so interested in what the hell is going on in Buffalo. Uh, I watched them last night in person. Um, and I actually had a very lovely, uh, short conversation with, uh, a uh, one Mr. Craig Custance about how I, I jokingly said, this is the best game of the year. And the conversation devolved into, you know, hey, so when the Red Wings have played these like top teams and we've only been holding them to just very little offense, I mean, that's kind of neat, right? And I think I think I made Craig laugh really hard <laughs> with that <laughs> statement because it's like he's like, Oh, that's that's what we're gonna hang our hat on. That's what yeah. we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna do. It's so, like Craig, uh, we need something. We need something to hold on to. <laughs> we've lost seven in a row. <laughs> so there's there's there should be you know, because that's the weird part, because maybe at that point then you're like, Okay, so does that mean you have the defense capable of holding high scoring teams to low things. So that way, the only thing you have to worry about is actually having something tangentially spiritually resembling an offense to maybe mm. start competing. But I don't know. It was, it was, it was a fun conversation, but uh, either way, I mean, Linus Olmark and Craig and uh, uh, was it Craig Hutton? Mm. Um, I think that's, that's, that's their, uh, their, their tandem. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to be a weirdo and say that that's your that's your Jennings trophy tandem right there because they are they are dynamite right now. So um, what about you, Peter? What, what What's what's surprised you so far? What's what's been what's been piquing your fancy, as it were? Um, It's uh, it, it's interesting. I think um, one thing I wanted to point out, because I remember in our season preview, I had a, a very bold prediction Uh that is is so far, you know, we're only an, like roughly an eighth of the way through the season. If you look at uh, the number of games that most teams have played. But at this point, Arizona is is in third in the Pacific with 13 points. Now, to be fair, Vancouver and Calgary also both have 13 points. Uh, Anaheim has 12. So obviously that's, you know, it's not like they're pulling away or anything like that. But 
Right. You know, they're only one point back of Vegas for second. So, um, you know, that Pacific division is pretty uh, is, is going to be a, a tough division in terms of I think there's a lot of parity. Like, I think after Vegas and maybe Edmonton, if they continue on, you know, continue to do what they're doing, um, I don't think you're going to have, um, you know, like like, for example, I don't think you have like three teams that are like clearly at the top and and there's a huge divide uh between that and team four yeah yeah it's pretty tight it's pretty tight and i'm actually i would actually hope that that's the way it stays Mm. because you know there's i don't know i just i just feel like sometimes like the west kind of gets settled i don't know maybe maybe i'm just not correctly remembering the last like 10 years consecutively but for some reason i always get this feeling like the west just kind of doesn't really have itself figured out for for like a long time and then it's right at the end everything gets sorted out whereas like the east just like they have like the like the top three teams in the east like are are like decided by january it's like okay that's let's oh what's going on out west who's who's gonna take the bait and it's like the east is like listen we're just waiting for playoffs to start so um i'm but either way i for as weird a start as vancouver is i think Elias Pedersen is starting to wake up for them. Um, so that's going to keep them hot and, you know, with new captain Bo Horvat starting to actually do things, but also the addition of JT Miller, I think that's going to be an under the radar, but then soon to be overtly on the radar acquisition for, for them because he's been very instrumental in them being where they are in what the Pacific looks like. So, yeah, I think it's bonkers. It's really interesting because like it, it looks so far into the season. It looks like San Jose is not going to be a playoff team, like not just because of their record, but just the way they've been playing. Um, yep. Again, we don't want to read too much into the first eighth because um, things could change a lot. Uh, but you know, everybody, everybody, you know, is going to point to, well, you know, St. Louis was last, play, you know, last in the league last year, uh, you know, you know, relatively late in the season. And, but at, yep. at the same time, the, the reason that people remember that is because it was so weird, right? It's an anomaly. Like yeah. the, the, that's not the general trend. Like every time we have something like this happen, it's like, oh, is this a new normal? It's like, no, it's just, you know, if, if like, if there were, you know, two weeks in a row where the temperature was 60 degrees and then one day it was 40. Like, you know, and and, and we're still in like the spring or the fall or something like that. I'm not going to think, oh, now the temperature is 40. You know, that's the new thing. It's like, no, it's an anomaly. Uh, it's more likely going to yeah. be 60 tomorrow or, you know, you know, because that's that's the general temperature for this area of the world at this time of year. Um, so obviously, I mean, it's a good it's a good reminder that that you shouldn't just go in and be like, okay, well, this season's over. You know, there's no way this team can make it. But at the same time, you know, it's 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 definitely important not to read too much because we kind of see that happen a lot in the NHL with fans, but also like teams, uh, you know, like front offices, like responding, you know, like a team wins the Stanley Cup with this style of play. It's like, well, now we need to draft big guys. It's like, well, I mean, that worked for them. It doesn't mean it's going to work for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. And, and it's funny because uh, last night I had a, uh, uh, also a lovely conversation with one art Regner of com, And, and he was saying how they were one of the first times that, um, 
Eiserman spoke with the uh, with either the media or with like a like a town hall like fan question thing. Someone said, "Hey, Steve, you know, like doesn't it kind of like easier, uh, you know, your either your hopes, your expectations a little bit, knowing that you know with a team like St. Louis, like they could be last in the league, and then all of a sudden, you know, win the Stanley Cup. You know, does that make you feel better about your current situation?" And Eiserman, the smart man that he is, is point uh, quick to point out uh, that team was not in the middle of a rebuild. <laughs> that was a team built to win who just was underachieving at at the at the wrong time yeah. and then achieved at the exact right time. So, you know, let's not <laughs> let's not say like, hey, any team that is bottom of the barrel come July uh, come January is going to have what it takes to to instantly have the 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 cup winning magic. So, you know, there's there's obviously, you know, Yes, of course. We, Peter, you and I have talked about this in, in many different aspects about what life is like in this universe right now. We are in the age of anything can happen. So, of course, the St. Louis Blues being last in the league in January, they come all the way back to win the Stanley Cup. It's a fantastic thing, something that's never been done before. Great. Now we're looking for new, never been done before mm-hmm. things to happen because there's no reason to expect the same thing. There's nothing. No, no, no evidence to support that this is going to happen the exact same same way every single time yeah. so i'm i'm very excited to see your 2000 2019 2020 stanley cup champion florida panthers mm-hmm. i was gonna say ottawa senators or ottawa senators yeah. which yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so one thing that i think is interesting to look at it when you're looking at the standings especially early on in the season and i just want to be very clear i'm not saying that this is some type of like analytical tool or something like that. But I think it is interesting to look at not only the points in the standings, but the goal differential to, you know, the goal differential. And then even just looking at like goals for and goals against, I think can be really helpful in, um, you know, you know, trying to see like, is a team that has a lot of points in the standings, are they, because I, because I, again, I don't want to say like, are they getting lucky? That's not what I mean, but like, like yeah. for example, right now, like uh, Columbus is after we you know with ten points they have or they have twelve points in ten games. They're five, three, and two, but their goal differential is negative six. Whereas Pittsburgh is six, five, and zero oh, with tw- the same twelve points with one more game played, but they have a positive six goal differential. You know, now does that mean Pittsburgh's better than Columbus? I mean, like I don't think you can just say that. But I think, you know, if you look at like, for me, like, like looking at like those top teams in the standings that have a negative goal differential, especially if it starts to get large, I think, I always think that those are teams that, you know, as the season goes on, you know, they're going to be the teams that are going to fall out. Um, Whereas if you have a team like right now, like Philadelphia is sixth place in the Metro, but they're plus three in goal differential. Um, Actually, that's probably a bad example because the reason like the biggest reason that they're 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 only six in the metro is because they've only played eight games. Um, you know, the Rangers in New Jersey have also played uh, eight and nine games respectfully. Um, but you know, like if you look at you know, I don't want to rub salts into the wounds of uh, our fellow <laughs> Detroit listeners, Detroit fan listeners. But you know, Detroit right now, as of today on Saturday, is negative seventeen in goal differential. I think that's the worst in the league. Uh, yeah, th- that is the I, worst. I, in the I have it in front of yep. me, and it is the worst in the league. So, um, I'm <laughs> a 
For anybody looking for some sort of solace in this situation, for those of you who've seen the movie Eddie the Eagle, starring Taron Edgerton and Hugh Jackman, when uh, Eddie is riding the elevator up to the top of the the slope with the, uh, uh, the I think it's the Swedish phenom skier, and, and <laughs> he's like, we are, you know, I, I am a number one on the clock, and you are number 11. Yes, you are lower down in the standings, but you and I are closer to each other than anywhere else. <laughs> so if anyone wants to be positive about it, I guess they can look at it in that regard. So, and, uh, and, and hey, more fuel to the fire, because Peter, who has the best differential right now? The Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. So that's, that's something that will certainly stick in the craw of every single winged wheeler fan for, for just principle alone and not only do they have the best but they are plus 17 to to go with the red wings negative 17 um yep yeah so like i said and they have 17 points so it's like every every point that they earn in the standings is is good for their differential it's yeah oh i'm just making fun of math now whatever i just said there probably doesn't have have any mathematical weight to it whatsoever i just just like it just it's fun it's funny to draw parallels or or draw points where there are none that's, but I mean, it, it's very interesting to me. Like, 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 let's say, for example, if you take Washington, right? So Washington, as of this recording, is top in the Metro with 19 points in 13 games. And if you look at their goal differential, they're plus seven, which is good, right? But then you look at the breakdown. Yep. They have scored 50 goals, which is, I think, like, actually, yeah, let me see. 50. I'm trying to see what other teams. There's only a couple of other teams that have 40, right? So they've scored 50 goals. But they've yeah. led in 43, and that's a lot. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting yes. to see if, like, how that works. You know what I mean? To see how, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like, like right now, like, they've led in the most goals in the league. You know, they've scored the most, but they've also led in the most. So does that mean that, you know, like, like, like which one of those is likely to change? You know, are they are they going to be scoring yeah. four plus goals a game? Or are they going to be giving up four almost four plus goals a game? Um, and, and to be honest, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't follow Washington that closely. Um, I do know that uh, John Carlson has like about 85 billion points, um, which is crazy. Yeah, he currently leads. He currently leads the league, which is 21 hilarious. points. Um, yeah, you are. Uh... <laughs> Your 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 2020 uh, NHL All Star Game captain, defenseman John yeah. Carlson, and if you look at um, <laughs> your art your Art Ross winner, your Art Trophy. Winner. If you look at points per game, um, then he drops down to fourth because Washington has played 13 games, whereas I think I think that's the most in the league. I don't think anybody's played 13, but anybody else has played that many. Um, if not, I mean, very few. Right. Um, so the top. 10, I'll just do top 10 scores and points per game right now, are Pasternak, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Carlson, uh, Brad Marchand. And I'll stop there just for a second because that's the top five. And you'll notice that outside of Carlson, <laughs> it's two people from Edmonton and two people from Boston. So that tells you something, right? Um, <laughs> then you have Nathan, Nathan McKinnon, Travis Konechny, uh, Mika Zabinajad, Philip Forsberg, and Miko Rantanen. Although Rantanen got hurt uh, recently, and he's going to be out at least a couple weeks, which is, if you saw, like, I'll be honest, I did not watch the video because I I know from experience that when there's a video where people say, like, you probably shouldn't watch this, I know I shouldn't watch it. <laughs> like, like, I know there's like the kind of like the big red button syndrome, where, you know, don't press the big red button, and all yep. you want to do is press the big red oh, button. Oh. And, 
but I have yeah. learned to avoid because I know, like, I do not like my, you know, I don't have a very high tolerance for those gr- gruesome injury videos. Um, and I mean, from people, you know, who saw it, who were commenting, it sounds like it was pretty nasty. Yeah. 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 There's, there, it, it's, it's a test that we all have to give ourselves yeah. from time to time, Peter, like, Hmm, what, what can I handle? What can yeah. I stand? And then when you see it, you're like, not I that I cannot yeah. stand. <laughs> I know more about myself. Why did I have to know more about myself? <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I, I don't really think I needed uh. to know, um, like if it can, can a human foot turn that way? No, apparently. Yes. Um, I don't really need to see that. Um, it, <laughs> oh boy wasn't something i yeah. needed to see am i glad i saw it no well i learned from this <laughs> yes <laughs> but um yeah there, there's definitely one thing i wanted to talk about in terms of the uh uh you know so some of these people that uh, we talked about this actually a lot over the summer this group of rfas who were holding out for a while um and then you know, mm-hmm. a lot of them signed roughly in the same time period. And it's really interesting to me. If you look at the the, the point leaders, you have, um, like I said, Miko Ranson in his 10th. He was one of the one of the players. Um, Mitch Marner is 16th. I know I saw at least one other person. Oh, yeah. And then Patrick Line is 27th. You know, Patrick Line scoring over a point a game. Um so I yep. mean, you know, th- those you know, th- those three players that were holding out and basically saying, hey, we're worth you know, we're worth more money are, you know, now that they've gotten, now that they've got their new contracts, they are uh, performing, you know, which is, which is obviously interesting to see because, you know, it's a question of, you know, are they going to be, you know, are they still going to have the fire now that they got, especially like, you know, Marner has like, a, you know, obviously a really big contract line. A's contract is, is, is only a couple of years. Um, but, you know, it's always that question of, you know, do do players play better in their contract year? And then once they get the contract, you know, is it like, well, OK, the pressure's off. I can just kind of, you know, I don't have to worry about the contract and then they play better. Or sometimes it's like, well, you know, I got the money. <laughs> I mean, I know nobody actually thinks like that, but, you know, human nature, you know, subconscious right. and all that stuff. So um, I was definitely really interested to see how those players were going to be performing this year. Um, and especially uh line has has taken a huge step forward he's really put a lot of uh um uh, i don't want to say pressure on himself but he basically put a lot of like accountability on himself i guess you could say and he's really run with it yeah absolutely and i think i, I think speaking to what you were just talking about i would like to hope that the reaction is oh i should pay this person for what they're valued and then they'll be okay to do what I'm paying their value for. <laughs> Such a strange concept where it's like, wow, I'm paying a player for their <laughs> worth or what their you know perceived worth is right now. And then they go out and, and play because they felt that they were worth what they were asking for. Now, I know that's such a lofty thing to think, right? Because we're talking about that means general managers and staff just like, doing a seismic shift in, in the culture change of signing players about like, Oh, they just want it for the money or anything like that. They're, they're just holding out for a bigger payday and whatnot. But you know, it just, it, it Pete, it's, it's such a ridiculous 
science behind what comfort can do for the human spirit, for the human mind, for the human yeah. body, right. <laughs> right? Like you're like you're the second you know that you're taken care of in X amount of categories, it's it's just this freeing thing. I mean, yes, the, the first of all, the human body adapts to its environment. It will you will become where you work. So, you know, these are guys, it's not like if they didn't get paid, they wouldn't be good at hockey anymore. But you know, when when you're dealing with these weird things like cost yeah. of living <laughs> or, you know, other other, you know, real life things and you want to take care of yourself and you want to take care of those you know, of your family and, and, and other people that are important to you and and make sure that you're living the best life you can, because at the end of the day, these are it's still a contact sport. Same with football, same with any other uh, of the big four sports. You know, there's. The, the 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 speed at which you could go from being at the highest level to never playing the game again is right instant it's it can be instant on any given night and when but you you already can see the benefits of someone who's playing with playing you know that you hear all the time from post game coaches right well he's he's playing he's you know he's playing pretty relaxed out there he's he's playing you know he's playing his game you know and I know it's such a cliche thing but in essence, yeah, it is. He's playing his game. You know why? Because he's not worrying about all the other shit around him. So, you know, it, it'd be it'd be very interesting to see, like, gosh, you know, this we start paying players what they're worth. What if we started paying people what they're <laughs> worth? What oh, oh man. Pete, I think we're getting into some <laughs> deep territory on just on on just a hockey podcast today. So maybe we should pump the. Price. That's okay, because um, yeah, because because I mean, basically, it's going to be eventually. <laughs> it's not going to matter. Like that's not even going to be a question because it's going to be paying machines what they're worth to do the job of humans who no longer have jobs. <laughs> oh yes, and then I and then I look forward to the, I look forward to the Toronto media trashing the hockey yeah. machine. <laughs> that's going to be fun. He was literally built to score goals, and he's scoring goals, yeah. but not enough goals. You gotta wonder how much longer yeah. he's gonna last. It's like that damn machine. He only uh, he only picked uh, forty thousand packages at the Amazon warehouse this uh, this month. You know, th- th- this hour or whatever. Uh, we needed yeah. forty thousand and one. I, I actually <laughs> that makes me think of like, uh. wouldn't it be great if you had? Just like the Toronto media reacting to other things, you know, other than hockey, you know, just, (laughs) you know, the Toronto media reacts to, you know, the the sinking of the Titanic, you know, how the captain not know (laughs) the iceberg was there. Well, we all should have known. Yeah. Well, the other timely thing is what is the Toronto media? Exactly. Superhero movies. Because that's certainly get, that's certainly catching fire. Toronto, Toronto media sees uh, sees uh, superhero films yeah. as just hot dog fare. Well, actually, that that is a really good transition into our interview because our our guest uh, for this episode has a well known pension. I uh, I'm not I'm not sure if we're going to get into it in the interview, uh, but he has a well known pension for. Uh, trolling Toronto fans on hockey Twitter and it is really fun so I imagine we'll probably talk about that uh but if we don't get to it just make sure <laughs> you get to you know you get to uh experience that at some point so uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a break and when we come back we're gonna have our interview with Chris Watkins All 
our guest for today um, is uh, is not returning for the second time, but actually the third time. This is, I believe, our first three time guest. We can we can figure that out in a minute. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> joining us today is Chris Watkins, um, who does a lot of stuff. Um, I, I keep mentioning that you uh, th- that that my my favorite thing about you is is how you troll Toronto fans on Twitter. So uh, <laughs> now that I think about it, we definitely have to talk about that at least a little bit. But you know, you, you like you write for a lot of sites. Um, you uh, you know do, do you know do do a lot on Twitter uh, with analytics and uh, you know presenting at conferences and such. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, first of all, just you know, thanks for joining us. Welcome. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'm uh, I'm joining from uh, sunny, sunny Atlanta, Georgia, where the weather is much nicer than it is in in, in my hometown of New York, and uh, <laughs> recovering from a long weekend of drinking and uh, homecoming activities. So, oh, that's cool. Apologies, uh, my voice is uh, a little bit hoarse, and uh, I, I, I ramble a bit, but that's not too different from any other. Uh, uh, appearance on the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, uh, for sure, interview <laughs> filled with rambling. Usually, that's on our end. What's oh, going man. on? Um, yes. Yeah, so, so, actually, first of all, so before we get to some other stuff, let me. I, I just want to. I just because because I think I talked about it um, yesterday when, when when we did the rest of the show. Um, mm. So 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 number one, what is the key? Uh, to to tweaking Toronto fans on Twitter, and what do you find most enjoyable about it? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one of my favorite pastimes. Uh, I, I think number one is pointing out how uh, they're paying uh, basically Marner and Matthews combined more than the Boston top line is getting uh, between Marchand, <laughs> uh, uh, Marchand, Pasternak, and uh, and Bergeron. Uh, so that's a that's a fun point of fun point of comparison. Um, number two is talking about how bad Fergie Anderson is, and then we're like, oh well, no, he's been like an above average goalie, and blah blah blah. And, you know, he's been like the Rock, and I'm like until they get to the first round or until game <laughs> seven. Uh, uh, so so basically, the three times where I guess Toronto's been all right. Frederick Anderson has been on a favorite team as Boston game seven were the last two years uh, against Boston. And then uh, as I like to cite the, the game seven of the Western conference finals in 2015, where the Blackhawks had like two and a half defensemen um, <laughs> and they should have lost that series. But the last time they won a cup and Anderson just sort of laid the egg in, in, in game seven. I think they lost three uh, zero. So uh, anytime Frederick Anderson does anything in the regular season, just went out, well, he's not a playoff goalie and there's nothing to dispute it. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and then the last thing is uh, is just pointing out, like, hey, uh, just always comparing them to the 2009 Blackhawks, uh, who were, like, the point of comparison for, like, the uh, the lease a couple years ago. It's like, oh, well, you know, Martin is his new Kane and Matthews is his new Taze. It's like, yeah, but we locked those guys in for, like, $5 million a year <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. on their second contract. So, yeah. Also, we were, like, a 60% Corsi 14 that year because we were so overwhelmingly deep that we were better <laughs> just like beating teams into submission so yeah. there's that uh yeah yeah so like i said there's an endless list of things you want to bring up uh, what's the guy kelly frazier from like the king series or whatever like yeah. you know you you just go down the go down the list but i i, I think the goalie the coach uh uh and the contract situation are normally the perfect storm of <laughs> of uh <laughs> of bad memories for for maple leaf fans there is a uh there's something very particular about their existence that I think is just so attractively fragile that I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you and I and, and Peter are able to 
I don't know if it's something everybody can see, but obviously I think the more you are around the hockey world and, and hockey fandom, it's, it's, it's almost like they're all wearing that, uh, well, maybe not wearing, but it's the, it's like the little exclamation point above their heads, like Metal Gear Solid, <laughs> where it's like, you, you, you can very easily, t- it's like, huh? <laughs> you're like, all right, I got him. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's perfect. Well, um, I'm not mad. You're well, mad. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and that's the thing, you know, you know, I've been on, you know, I fully converted in my Twitter account to hockey Twitter, uh, like five or six years ago. And this was during the drags of the PA Parental era. Um, and, uh, you know, as soon as I got mad, I was like, I've never seen, I've never seen this much talk about the Maple Leafs. I've never, I never saw the hashtag like Leafs forever or mm-hmm. buzz all day until they started to become good. So I was like, where were all these people like three years ago <laughs> when I first got on hockey Twitter? You know, we've been here and you just weren't paying enough attention. Like, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> right. So it's one just pointing out, it's pointing out that there are fair weather as all get out. And then because, Apparently, Toronto is an important city in, like, some parts of the world, uh, not necessarily here in the States, uh, but apparently in, in Canada, it's the biggest, you know, uh, things walk the earth. Uh, that's all they ever talk about. And so and so I think that the, the one that tweets me the most was uh, last year when, you know, Marner got off to a good start. It's like, is he the best? number four overall pick in NHL history. Uh, is he a generational talent or just a once-in-a-lifetime like player? I'm like, he's not even better than Miko Rantanen. Like, calm down. <laughs> like, let him get up to Brandon Points level first, and then, and then we'll talk. And so I was like, yeah. It was just, uh, the, the hyperbole that comes out of the media there, and it's like, and I don't think, even in the States, we don't, you know, like New York is the biggest city, but none of the New York teams are, that good probably except for the Yankees to for them to take over the narrative and same thing with like you know LA LA is big but it's not like 60% of the population so you know even when the Lakers are good or whatever like you you're still drowning them out by other markets and I don't think that's the case in Canada so when the Leafs are doing well that's all you ever hear about and then when the Leafs aren't doing well they either like pretend it didn't happen or you know just drown out and focus on uh you know something else so the, the pivot to Oh, the Leafs sucked and, and and you know crapped the bed in the first round. To oh, all of a sudden, uh, Canada is a Raptors uh, country. Uh, was record uh, was a record quick turnaround. So uh, so yeah, it's it's always fun. So 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 quick follow up question to to my original one. What is um which which team has the more embarrassing uh, writers for it? Uh, Toronto or Edmonton? <laughs> oh man, oh that is good. <laughs> I would probably have to lean towards Edmonton. Uh, not, I think Steve Simmons is probably the worst out of all of them, but uh, at least Toronto has some decent writers like available. Like the ratio of bad writers in Edmonton, I don't know who's a good Edmonton beat writer. <laughs> uh, I do know all the bad ones and the ones that like I I hate follow and hate tweet. And actually, it's not hate. I actually, love watching them. But Mark Spector and. Uh, uh, who's the other guy? I, I got blocked by like half of them. So I don't uh, remember. But just staples, just right? Being, yeah, Dave. Oh yeah, Dave Staples is the one that blocked me. Uh, for for God knows what. I mean, like literally every single time he tweeted, I was just like, <laughs> I had a, I had a ready to go, you know, quote repeat, uh, ready for him. Um, I think the last draw was when he was like supporting the uh the Koskinen contract. I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely gonna hold up. <laughs> and then, I mean, you're blocked by David Staples. I'm like, all right, yeah. Um, so this seven and one start or whatever they have uh, right now is definitely going to hold water, uh, and I can't wait till they're like, "Hey, Kenny Holland has it figured out." 
uh, uh, supportive uh, things to come. Uh, I'm sure, as you all know very well, um, how how that will play out. But but yeah, I'm I'm definitely waiting for the bottoms to fall out for that one. Uh, but I need them to be good to like go into the like the All Star break, like very good for the season, just to see them like fail miserably um, and not make the playoffs. That will be the perfect like encapsulation of. Uh, of Edmonton media, like uh, getting getting out in front of itself and then and then falling flat on their face. So I can't wait. Uh, I I think my favorite pastime has become like any very small like consequential act. Like let's say I'll go to the the grocery store and I'll see a, a coupon <laughs> for like you know hey buy buy ten Gatorades you know uh, uh, ten for ten and I'll think to myself you know how will this affect the Leafs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> every every yeah. small little act like oh there's gosh this guy's trying to trying to cut me off on the highway gosh how's this gonna affect the leafs ah, all right well, it's, it's whatever well yeah um, yeah no it, it, <laughs> and and that's and that's exactly it like so when Tavares signed later last year it's like oh this is the biggest NHL free agent signing ever and I'm like I didn't remember the Chicago Blackhawks signed in a guy named Barry Hosa like uh a decade ago, and then went in three cups because of it, and I'm pretty sure. And actually, uh, I objectively don't know. Marion Hulse was a better player than John Tavares. John Tavares is actually a legitimately good player. The problem with it, the problem that I said with that signing was, uh, to that point, because obviously Toronto media, you know, everything's amazing in Toronto. Uh, uh, and, and and this is actually, I think, a day before LeBron signed with Los Angeles. So, you see, the comparison and contrast to that, a guy who had won, who had went to eight straight finals, had won three, uh, three championships and, and four MVPs versus a guy who couldn't get, get couldn't get the Islanders past the second round uh, for his decade <laughs> there. I'm like, mm, yeah. okay, like, um, so the hyperbole was just like off the charts. And I said what the biggest thing was and what it's going to pass is that you look at the, the, the teams around the league and the salary structures around the league, the best teams have, being able to get their best player on a team-friendly contract, and that sort of sets the ceiling. Uh, Sidney Crosby being a perfect example where, you know, he's still not, he, he, I don't think he's ever made more than $10 million a year uh, uh, with the Penguins. And so, therefore, when you're renegotiating your contract, you can't say, well, I need to get, like, close to Sydney or at that level. So you have Tavares coming in at, like, 11.5, and now, well, Matthew's looking at it, well, I'm, like, probably objectively a better player than him, and I'm younger. And, you know, I brought the excitement to this market. You know, John Tavares is coming as a result of me as, as opposed to the other way around. I deserve that money. And now Martin comes up and was like, well, I'm the, you know, the, the straw that serves the drink here. And and they did that. So basically <laughs> Toronto hyped itself up to the point where they basically screw themselves over because in the other market, there's none of that. Well, what about the marketing appeal of all these players? Like in Arizona, no one cares about that. So you're just playing, you're paying players for that on ice value. And I don't think Toronto operates in that particular fashion. So I'm so glad that they overhyped themselves to the point where they may have, you know, ruined their chance to be a potential up-and-coming dynasty um, to just an overhyped uh, uh, new new age, like Bruce Boudreaux-era uh, Washington Capitals. It's like, I'm very excited for that prospect. Yeah, that and that would be befitting for them. They, they, they should <laughs> – them being the architect of their own misery is really – really the best uh, punishment you can have. Um, right. <laughs> uh, so, so Chris, I wanted to, we wanted to shift a little bit towards uh, the Windy City here because uh, yeah. that is, in, that is indeed yeah. your uh, province of uh, extreme yeah. knowledge. So uh, prior to, uh, 
Well, you know, like you said, we, we as we started this uh, app, there was uh, some unexpected shininess at the start here, but uh, things have quickly regressed. I, I, I would like to start first by maybe the the one thing that could remain a positive, which is the fact that you actually got to get Kirby Doc on the ice. So what what what's what what can we expect from this guy that, according to uh, some Red Wings personnel, we really wanted, and of course the uh, the the Blackhawks got them. So how, how's that working out? <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, it, Doc himself has been has been as as good as advertised in terms of what you would expect from a from an eighteen year old, uh, you know, playing in his first uh, seven seven NHL hockey games. I mean, I think most importantly, he's added some excitement to the fan base to sort of <laughs> paper over the fact that we're in last place in the conference. Now, granted, we played the least amount of games, I think, of anybody in the league, but I think uh, that probably is doing the the franchise a favor um, because we don't want to further prove how bad we are as a team. Um, but Doc himself has been, has been great in terms of the couple of games I've watched of him. Um, you know, you can definitely see, you know, you forget he's actually 6'4", uh, you know, which uh, which NHL GMs like to point out. Uh, I forgot what the Paul Fenton quote uh, was, uh, you know, the many uh, through that uh, glorious regime of his. Oh, um, yeah, but he's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, I think there was a lizard licking one and like a, a, a tall, sexy guy one or whatever. But uh, you know, Doc has definitely showed the skill that uh, you know would make him make him seem like for people who have not seen him play, make him seem like a, uh, a definitely like a top five prospect. And I think there was some concern about oh, he might have gone a little bit too high. And I actually had the same thought. Uh, um, but you know, after uh, after the first few, after uh, Hughes and um, and Cackle, that really wasn't in consensus on the three pick. So the fact that he's, you know, made it to the NHL already, it sort of held his own. Also, the Blackhawks just don't really have much in the way else of, like, of uh, past uh, Taze and Strom in terms of uh, center depth. So uh, the fact he's been able to equip himself very well and doesn't look like a 6'4 player, you know, he, uh, but more due to his skill set than lack of physicality, um, I think it's promising. So I think, you know, is it the right pick? I, I think time will tell. But in terms of him being probably one of the top five, six players in the lineup as early as next year, can definitely see that happening. That's probably more of a, a combination of the rest of the roster than it is a, uh, a ringing endorsement of Doc's skills. But I, I like what I've seen so far and definitely would love to see him uh, stay. Um, they're debating on whether or not they're going to send him back to Saskatoon or not. Uh, I would say no um, for a couple of reasons. One, uh like I said, he's probably already like a uh, top nine forward on the team, uh, and probably like closer to like top six. Uh, and then two, um, the Blackhawks are like, well, you know, if we keep him up here, we'll burn a year off his year contract. And I think actually that's exactly what you want to do. Dylan Larkin being a perfect example. I think we talked about this last time. Uh, if you were resigning Dylan Larkin now, you're probably talking about an extra two, three million million dollars a year in AAV just based on his breakout last year, but the fact that they had him locked in before that breakout occurred, uh, that now they have him on one of the better discount contracts in the league. And so I think teams think about this backwards, where it's like, oh, well, we want to keep, we want to keep this player, you know, in junior so we can, you know, uh, you know, push the ELC back another year. I'm like, first off, you're really concerned about their age, like 27, 28 season. And I can 99% guarantee that that GM would not be the one signing that contract. So it's not even, something for them to be concerned about anyway. And then second off, using the, the Dylan Larkin example, you want to lock in that player before they hit that breakout season because um, you can get them before, you know, they, you're paying full market price for them. Uh, you want to get them sort of right before that breakout 
lock them in at a cheaper price, and then really build around them uh, with that discount that you get. And so I think a lot of teams are taking the wrong approach to it, and so I'm hoping the Blackhawks are smart enough according to all of the amazing things that have come out about their secret analytics department over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I hope they yeah. can figure out that it would be in their best interest to, to keep them on, on the roster. Hmm. What is what is uh, Doc's uh, most valuable asset right now? Because uh, from from when you call up these young guys, I, there's always that delayed buffer response from the rest of the league that they, you know, get to surprise people with. You know, kind of like the way Larkin was his first year. You know, pretty much everybody gets the, you know, gets the the Zelinsky shot as I call it from <laughs> uh, uh, Tommy Boy, where it's like. You put one by me, kid. Savor the flavor, cause it ain't gonna happen again. So, <laughs> so, so what? What is making Doc so valuable right now? And and if you could go into detail, and I assure you, no one from any a, any right. part of the organization of the Red Wings is on the call right now, listening intently. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no. I, so I think like Doc in comparison. And so actually, a, a perfect comparison point is Alex Nylander, who the Blackhawks stupidly thought was uh, another reclamation project in, in the mold of Dylan Strong, uh, who they traded, um, you know, cost control, 19-year-old uh, defenseman who played, you know, 30-plus games last year. I don't want to get into it. Uh, um, but uh, with a player of Doc's size, you're always concerned about, like, oh, well, he's not showing on the score sheet or not showing up to play. But, you know, once he grows into his body or figures, figures it out, you know, you'll see him make an impact. And I think that was, like, uh, Anthony Matha was was an example where you know oh you know once the production catches up to the size of the player uh, or the perceived size of the player then you have a great player on your hands uh, and I think with Doc I think what has really popped out as I said in my watching of him is, is the actual skill set in terms of you know making plays with the puck uh, sort of you know just thinking you know one step ahead um, so the fact that he is six four but already has this hockey sense that is evident uh, you know looks like an actual NHL player so. Um, you know, the comparison that they often use in, like, basketball is, like, hey, if LeBron was, you know, 6'1 instead of 6'8, you know, would he still be a great player? And the answer is yes. And I think the same thing with Kirby Doc. If he was, you know, 5'10 instead of 6'4, uh, you know, you still, you know, really pop off the screen as a, as a player you want to build around. And so um, I, I think that's an important part. And then you compare it to someone like Alex Nylander, who has probably a similar level of skill set, but you question – the original questions were about his upside because of his lack of skating ability. It's like, well, he's not even producing. And so it's like, he's not producing. He's already 22. He's been bounced back and forth between the AHL and NHL. And you were worried if he's ever going to make an impact on the ice um, that would sort of go along with his skill set. And I don't think you got that same concern with Kirby Doc. He's already, you know, obviously it's a small sample size, but he's already from really well in possession numbers. You know, has a couple of points uh, so far in a couple of games. Um, and uh, you can find, you know, two or three highlight plays where it's like if this guy just puts it all together uh, and he's actually pretty close to doing it, he's a very polished player for his young age, um, you can really have a – a, I, I don't see star potential per se. I don't see him – but I could definitely see him being, you know, Jonathan Tate's light, uh, you know, maybe like, a, you know, a Logan Couture or Ryan Getzlaff sort of uh, type of player um, that sort of knows how to use his body and be in the right spots. Um, and, and figure it out. So I definitely see him being, uh, you know, first or second line center, which uh, with the sort of quality of the players in the draft at that spot, you know, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's it was a third overall, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, if you have um, 
obviously if you have like a, a top five pick, it's important to, you know, hit on it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like the higher right. you are in the draft, the more important it is to not miss basically. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously like first overall, second overall, but I think in some drafts, even extending out into third overall, um, it's, you know, it's important that you, because, you know, like if you think about it, like the last time, you know, there's typically one or two players that are pretty much, okay, these are going to be the top two players in the draft, or this is going to be the, the first right. overall pick. But then as that third team, you basically have the first choice of everybody else, you know? So it's a really, right, exactly. it's a great position to be in. Like, I, I remember, um, I forget exactly, like, the context. I know we were talking about this, like, in the Red Wings community, like, for the last draft, where it was, like... Some people were saying like, oh, I want to finish in this spot so we don't have to make the choice between these two <laughs> because we yeah. might choose wrong. I'm like, I would rather have confidence that my team is going to choose correctly and have the ability to choose. You know right. what I mean? Let's like, do that. Yeah, exactly. Let's do that part. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And I know that's the debate about this year. It's like, hey, do you, uh, you know, would you rather have number one or number two where you can choose between Lafreniere and, and Byfield or whoever it may be? And it's like, obviously you want number one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Number two, number two is like a better bet for the GM because it's, it, it, to, to Maddie's point, you know, it's like, oh, you should have picked McDavid over Eichel. Um, <laughs> and it's like, well, you can't make a mistake if, if, the, if the, the decision wasn't available to you. And so, I mean, I personally would have wanted to go on Byram uh, uh, that the Avalanche picked. Uh, that was who I was uh, sort of aiming for. Um, uh, just because I think a the Blackhawks defensive uh, prospect pool is so limited uh, outside of uh, 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 Evan Bouchard and uh, actually uh, that that whole draft class it was like six defensemen Noah Dobson all they were all picking the same slot and I forget which one the Blackhawks got yeah. uh, but I wanted Bowen Byram um, especially after they traded uh, Yuki Aru um, but you know Doc seems like. My concern about Doc at, at, for a long-term process is I don't see superstar potential in him. I see, like a, like I said, a really solid, you know, 10-15 year player um, definitely will be a part of the lineup. Um, but I don't see him being, like, the guy that takes you over the top. I think he's the, you know, if you look at, like, Nelson Kadri in, um, in Toronto or something like that, I see him as that type of player where, you know, he's a, a great piece to have in your lineup and, and really adds your depth. But I don't see him as being, like, a, a top line play driver, you know, scoring, you know, 90, 100 points a year. I, I see him topping out at like, you know, 78 or, or 80, having really good possession numbers and being a great two way player, but don't see enough from a hockey skill set standpoint to say, like, oh, this is a superstar. Where Bowen Byron, for example, I did see superstar potential, um, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, um, on, in in the Red Wings community, uh, and and I think it's it's I, I I you know how this is like once the team starts to do poorly in the games, you know the <laughs> beginning of the year, it's like oh hey maybe you know like like no I I don't think anybody was saying like I don't want to put words in people's mouths like I don't think people were saying like oh maybe we will make the playoffs this year it was just right, kind yeah. of more like maybe we won't completely suck like maybe it'll be entertaining you know um yeah and then now that we're losing you know we lost seven in a row as of this recording <laughs> uh could be eight in a row by the time people listen to this depending on what happens right. today against the, <laughs> the you know the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues so I'm I'm pretty confident yeah. about that we'll get a win um so <laughs> 
you, you know how it is. Like, like, like once the team starts losing, the fan base starts to become really negative. In uh, you know, and, and I think for uh, you know, I'm not just saying this because it's the site I work for, but I think from <laughs> from having experienced a lot of different like forum sections and comment sections, yeah. etc. Like, I think that our our community of commenters is is among the best I've ever seen. Partially because we're very proactive with moderating you know like if people come in and start you know like oh you're an idiot it's like well that guy's gonna get right. banned you know like or you right, know, yeah, at least yeah. at least warned and then banned or whatever you know so um but yeah there's been a lot of talk in our community about um you know buyer's remorse over taking taking zadina over quinn hughes and it's interesting yeah. because you know you said going in you wanted bo and byram going into that draft i wanted quinn hughes but with the caveat because i don't want to make myself sound like some genius when Philip Zadina dropped to our position, I was very happy right. that they took him. Like I, I, I do think. I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's both of their first like professional, you know, first NHL se- or you know professional seasons basically. Um, well, Zadina played last year in the AH. Um, you know, people are like, oh my god, he's you know, he didn't have a shot on goal in like two straight right. games. It's like. It takes a little while for goal score. You know, there's very few players that come into the NHL or even the AHL and just score right off the bat. You know, it, like right, and yeah. if you if you watch him play, you can see he's doing all the right things. He's just getting horrendously unlucky. And if he keeps doing the right things, you know, plus now they uh, this year, the Red Wings seem to be doing a lot more of a focus of the Griffins are going to be a development team as opposed to we're going to stock them with veterans and try to win, you know, the age right, yeah. you know, the Calder cup, uh, you know, yeah, you got yeah, Valeno yeah. and Rasmussen, like, you know, they're all playing together and it's great. Um, so yes. So, so that's what I thought was interesting because I do still think that Quinn Hughes is going to be a dynamite player. And I think if the Red Wings had selected him, I don't think they'd be disappointed, but it's really hard with these young players because, a lot of times, you know, people are like really quick to judge and say like, okay, this guy's a bust. It's like, well, let's hold off a little bit. Yeah. And I, and I think that's actually a good example. And I forget the exact tweet I said, because uh, I was tweaking the Sabres fans. Not as fun to tweet because there's not, not as many of them and they're pretty beaten down anyway. But, uh, but using that, using that exact same logic, you know, and I, I think Quinn Hughes is a hell of a player, uh, but they sort of uh, compare, uh, the response to Quinn Hughes and Jack Hughes and stuff like, oh, Jack Hughes, uh, is he really a number one player? Look how Tom, look how long it took for him to score. I'm like, if Jack Hughes played on the back end, like he would, he would be a probably a superior prospect to his brother on the back end as well. And I think the threshold for confidence and excitement around defensemen is so much lower than it is for forwards, where you're a forward and you're not putting up, you know, Elias Patterson numbers in your first year, or you're a bum. And so a perfect example is Andre Shevchenov. Uh, from Carolina, uh, who had an amazing year. If you look at, uh, you know, um, I mean, it, just from an objective stand, or uh, from a not a fancy stat standpoint, he scored like 20 goals last year, which is great for like a, a 18 year old um, on on a playoff team. So therefore, you know, he wasn't just being given minutes and sort of force fed uh, minutes just to pump up his numbers. You know, he was actually playing objectively good hockey, um, and then was a possession driver. Um, and, and grayed out really well on like uh, evolving uh, wilds like RAPM. Um, you know he should have been in the Calder Cup trophy conversation, uh, but because you know uh, you know Patterson put up the uh, the fancier counting stats, and then Darlene had the reputation coming in. Uh, this is a generational defenseman. You know he sort of got left uh, you know by the wayside in terms of national attention for like the great season he had. And I was like, well, if he's playing on the back end, 
which I think much more for it should do. Obviously, you know, I'm a big advocate of that. Uh, if he's playing on back end, we can talk about, oh, yeah, this is, you know, definitely a superstar player and a future Norris Trophy winner. Uh, but as a forward, it's like, oh, well, you know, that's another nice, like, piece to ha- add to a, yeah. a good team. And so, you know, I think going back to everything, uh, you know, talking about uh, Zadina, um, you know, and I actually, I think I cited Phyllis Zadina as the exact example. If Phyllis Zadina played on the back end, he would have been a top three pick, like, no doubt. But because he happens to play forward, a lot of that is determined, especially as a winger, a lot of that is determined by your line mates and who you play with and the situations you're deployed in versus defensemen. You know, they're the playing 20, you know, 25 minutes a night. You're going to get, sort of get force fed time no matter what. Um, I, I just think it's the easier threshold to cross to be an impressive defenseman because a lot of NHL defensemen just aren't that, aren't that good. And a lot of them should not be playing at least more than like the younger prospects on, on the team. It's hard to say that for forwards because I do think even older forwards are legitimately good and impactful players. And so therefore when you, uh, join a team or whatever, it's harder to make that immediate impact, like you were saying, because you have to work your way up the lineup past, you know, three or four legitimately better players than you versus defensemen. It's really only like two or three guys on the team, maybe, who, who can justify getting playing time over you. And especially like once you hit the threshold of getting power play time, like you're golden from there. So, you know, I think it's an unfair comparison and I, and I still have hope in Zadina. And like I said, he had a legitimately good year in the AHL last year. I think expectations were just sort of out of whack with what you can expect from a player of his ilk and caliber. But I, I think he still will be legitimately worth the pick, and, and maybe not the best player at that at that position, but um, definitely uh, someone who will be a key part of the lineup going forward. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to make sure we get to uh, a listener question uh, because yeah. so so this is from uh, JJ, our site manager. Um, <laughs> And so he says, uh, your perspective, right? Hockey fans Mm -hmm. in general, for some (laughs) reason, are, let's say, somewhat proud of the differences between their sport and basketball. (laughs) Yeah. Can you talk about the similarities you see between them? Maybe not so much the sport itself, but the fandoms and or the culture Mm. of how the teams and leagues are run. <laughs> oh, uh, there's like two answers to this question. <laughs> uh, one is one is uh, 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 hockey has a lot of white people, and, and basketball has a lot of black people, and uh, yeah. GD. Uh, and, and, and only to say that not to call out hockey fans for that in particular, but the same comparison when we talk about college basketball versus uh, uh, professional basketball. It's like, oh, the purity of the sport. And, the players are playing for the love of the game and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, but on a more objective level, um, you know, I, I think there, there is a lot of overlaps. And so, you know, like we talked about earlier um, with uh, the Toronto Raptors winning the championship last year uh, and sort of the, the way that the, the country of Canada did embrace them, you know, was Canada's team because it's the only team in Canada. Um, you know, hockey fans were very quickly able to assimilate themselves into basketball fandom. Um, because I do think there's a lot of similarities. And and so um, the dichotomy is, is, is very false in, in my point of view um, from a lot of perspectives. I do think there's a lot of play, a lot of teams in basketball that still have a very old-school approach in terms of how they look at things, where puck possession is the sort of battleground of the, the Corsi Wars and, and, and the analyst versus the eye test, and it's the same thing with the three-point shot. Oh, you know, what happens to the mid-rangers? Um, uh, even earlier, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, the, the Chicago Bulls star, Zach Levine, was like, you know, the analyst came up to me and told me to take the mid-rangers out of my game because it never said that. Um, but, you know, when you look back in the days, now Michael Jordan and, and Kobe Bryant didn't have to take the mid-ranger out their games, and they did well. It's like, yeah, that was a different game in a different time then. Um, so I think 
you know, that piece in terms of how people perceive the game. Um, you know, I think basketball is a little, uh, a little bit further ahead in terms of their analysis of the game. They've had tracking for the past five or six years. Um, I, uh, and so I think that's a good sort of warning to, to NHL fans and analysts in particular who think that tracking will be the end-all be-all for ending these debates. I can assure you they're not um, based on the uh, NBA comparison. Um, and I think in terms of running the league as a whole, uh, you know, the, the Adam, I, I think the biggest difference is in the commissioner's office where you have Adam Silver on one end and Gary Bevan on the other end. And Adam Silver, you know, ran into some issues, obviously, earlier this summer with uh, the whole China back and forth. But, I mean, could you imagine Gary Bevan trying to navigate that that particular hmm. thing where, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, I, I'm, uh, it may have been another lockout just out of nowhere. Uh, you know, he's going to get to Vladimir Putin or whatever in terms of trying to navigate that particular thing. And so even in a situation where Adam Silver probably did not represent the best of the NBA's interest and people pointed out the hypocrisy of such a socially conscious league, you know, sort of, you know, really coming down against a GM speaking on a socially conscious subject. Um, you know, they try to, in, in the face of losing money and losing like a potentially very large market, not only now, but for the future, um, you know, they did stand their ground eventually and say like, hey, there's a certain threshold where we're not willing to cross in terms of our values and morals. Um, and so, and I think fans supported that. And so, you know, I mean, ultimately that's something you can do when you're, you know, you have a $24 billion TV contract and uh, your $1.5 billion China contract is more than the NHL is getting from their uh, domestic contract. So the, the fact that they can throw away that money as pocket change to make a more stand is not something I think the NHL can do, A, from a revenue standpoint. They need all the, the dollars that they can get because I don't think Batman has done a very good job of marketing the game. Um, uh, as of yesterday's recording, I think there was a big snafu about uh, no one knew that they were having a Heritage Classic outdoor game uh, yesterday <laughs> uh, because no one marketed it properly. And that would never be the case in the NBA. There's a big sort of keystone game. Um, the opening night, they had the Lakers versus the Clippers. You knew about that. That was all over the media, all over their advertising. You knew that the big game was coming. And so uh, just the fact that, you know, Adam Silver and David Stern previous them built up enough of a buffer in terms of revenues and, and sort of different revenue streams to be able to say, hey, we can take a stand and lose some money on this one because we know it's going to benefit us in, in the pocketbook in the long term. I don't think Gary Bettman can ever do that just because they've done such a bad job of growing the game and, and really driving, you know, this money coming in. Um, in, in the past 20 years, they've been a commissioner. And so I, I think those are the main differences. In terms of fan base, like I said, I, I think the fans are very similar and more similar than anything. I think the real differentiator is in the commissioner's office and how the leagues are run. Going into that, I was like, this is going to be really interesting to see see the response because of all the different ways you could have gone with that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, thank, thanks a lot because, I mean, I'm somebody um, – you know, every time we have somebody on, like, like you know, we've had, like, Scott Cullen on a couple times. Yeah, and, yeah. You, you know, like, like, when it's these people that, um, you know, obviously follow hockey, but then they also follow two or three other sports. I'm always right. like, oh, my God, like, how do you do that? Um, you know, it's <laughs> enough for me just to be able to follow one sport. So I'm always interested in hearing uh, about, you know, you, you know, 
good insight about other sports. So um, we got to wrap this up. Uh, we got to let you yeah, go. Yeah. But we, I wanted to ask you a, a question real quick um, because you are known on hockey Twitter, I would say, for and, – and, and I'm, you're probably like, where is this going? Um, you are known on hockey Twitter for having a lot of contrarian opinions uh, about <laughs> yeah. the game of hockey. So yeah. just real quick, like you don't have to elaborate. In fact, actually, I think it will probably be even funnier if you – or not funnier, but like, like funner <laughs> if you don't elaborate. Yeah. What would you say is like your contrarian opinion that you think has both kind of, you know, it's something you definitely believe, like you're not just saying it to like troll people, like you ge- you genuinely believe it and you think it, it creates the most controversy, like it's the most counter to like Ooh. the generally accepted view. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> love you. Love you. Thing. Yeah. I mean, I think the the four. I, I think the yeah. So I said at the beginning of the season, I won't elaborate too much. But I said at the beginning of the season, the three things I'm setting out to prove this year are that lines don't matter. Uh, when, uh, that lines don't matter. It's just a matter of like having a bunch of good players playing at once. The the chemistry doesn't matter. Um, number two was the that the pulling the goalie is the stupidest strategy in sports history by far, and somehow it's lasted for a hundred years. Um, and then I forgot what the number three is, but I think those two uh, created enough heat for me where uh, even long-term analysts who don't know me personally were like, oh, yeah, like, let's see you do it. Like, uh, Ryan Simpson, for example, our, our good friend was one who was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and so, yeah, uh, so, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I come in because I'm coming in with the outsider point of view. You know, I have particular takes and, and things that just don't make sense to me because that was the way they were always done. Um, so I think those two are the ones that we shall see how successful I am in those ventures. Uh, but I'm pretty confident. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, and playing your forward to 25 minutes a night is the act of what the Oilers are doing uh, and leading to a seven and one uh, or eight and one record or whatever. Uh, playing your forward 25 minutes a night instead of uh, running four lines equally um, is the way to go. And so yeah, we'll see how how well that goes. But I'm pretty confident I'll, I'll be on the right side of history with those. <laughs> <laughs> there we go well thank you so much for joining us again um so for our listeners you can follow chris on twitter at yolo pinato it's y-o-l-o underscore p-i-n-y-a-t-o so thanks a lot uh, again for joining us we had a great time all right thanks a lot man We are back. Once again, thank you to the YOLOist of Pinatos for taking time out of his uh, very busy schedule of uh, destroying Toronto fans on the internet to speak with us. Uh, we move on now to, uh, we're basically, Peter, uh, given when this episode airs, what we're about to talk about will have already happened. And it's strange yeah. because I didn't know it was happening tonight at the time of this recording but when you listen to it two days ago i'm of course talking about the heritage classic uh tonight the calgary flames and the winnipeg jets donning throwback unis will uh be uh taking it outside and uh, i actually have to say pete in the history of the winter classic heritage classic uh taglines that's that might be my favorite the, look, yeah. this time they take it outside and it's you know it's funny because you know it speaks to the masculine brainwashing that we've had our entire lives you know like we just have to fight to solve our problems there's no such thing as 
talking it out or or having a better idea of of, of a person's situation so that you don't judge someone for their struggles, right? <laughs> I, I, I have uh, to stop you just for a second because um, I had this this thought and I, I will forget it by the time you're done done introing this. Um, imagine if okay, obviously this is not a serious solution, but you know just based on what you said, imagine if the NHL banned fighting and instead of fighting, they have to go into the box and they have to have conflict mediation until they are able to accept their differences and then they can go back and play. <laughs> Just to be clear for anybody good. listening, I, that's obviously a joke. I'm not. I'm not actually suggesting that. Um, no. But well, yeah, okay. Like, well, I'm just having this mental this image is, of that, and it just made me yeah, made me laugh very hard. Now I hope you have. Now I hope you have to reap what you sow because I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that would be great. And you know, you know who has to do the mediating? Jeremy Roenick. Oh that, boy, that would be- <laughs> they're never getting out. <laughs> they're never getting out. It's like, are you sure you don't want to yeah. go? Are you sure? Are you sure you, you want sure? to go? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, and they go yeah, in yeah, and they go. open it. They, they, they take out like a legal pad and they start writing yeah. down like their their you opening go? statements. You want to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my oh, god. That'd be okay. So okay. So so yeah. they're they're taking it outside. They they are at the Mosaic Stadium in Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, mm-hmm. For those Jay and Dan listeners out there, be sure to listen to your uh, experience Regina uh, YouTube videos. It's uh, one of the greatest songs ever committed to the musical medium. Uh, that's the, uh, that's where the Regina, uh, Regina Pats also host a Prairie classic outdoor game, uh, that's, uh, on October 27th. So, uh, the, so the WHL and the NHL are both having some outdoor games this weekend, which is, uh, pretty cool. Um, I, uh, I didn't know this was happening until yesterday. Uh, Pete, when did you know this was happening? Uh, I believe... Oh, actually, you know what? The only reason I know this, and I think if, if you had if you had said, like when we were texting before to figure out what we want to talk about today, if you had said, oh, yeah, let's talk about the Heritage Classic, and it wasn't for me listening to the 31 Thoughts podcast, the most recent one, because Elliot Friedman is going there, and he talked about how on uh, Friday night or Saturday morning or whatever, he is going to be headed to Regina, and he talked about why, and like I... At that point, I listened to that yesterday. Um, I think it's it's a couple days old at that point. But like, I would have had no idea. I would have had no clue. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I I remember them unveiling the jerseys, but I don't remember a lot of the um lead up to it. Um, I and and so I guess this lead, so this led me to a different type of question to ask about this, Peter. Is it the NHL that sucks? Or is it I that sucks? Because I, I I'm trying to just figure out, you know, because I don't want to lay on the baddies. <laughs> are, yeah, are we the baddies? Um, because I'd like to think that I'm pretty in the know, pretty in the loop with news around the league, and it was kind of strange to see. Like I, because I kind of remember, I I was informed that it, I didn't know that it was happening probably at all the season, let alone this early. Because we're not out of we're not even out of, out of October, and there's an outdoor game now. Of yeah. course, it's going to be in Canada because the conditions will probably always be fine in Canada in October. So you know that's not the dis- that's not the dispute there. But um, you know to see many of our of our hockey contemporary contemporaries like Wyshynski and and Lozo and, and other folks kind of scratching their heads like, Oh, this is, 
happening tomorrow? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the uh, Heritage Classic. That's uh, something. Yeah, it's it's like when you find the you're at a party and there's that person you met before, but you forget the name. You're like, hey, guy. <laughs> Good to mm. see you, bud. And you're like, oh my god, this is happening, isn't it? So, um, uh, I, I I plan to watch. Um, you know, by the time this airs, maybe you can follow us on. Uh, uh, you will have followed us on our social media channels to actually get real time reaction to it. Sadly, real time reaction to it won't be available on on this till two weeks after. You know, though Pete and I really try not to make this podcast the uh, the the bit from Mr. Show where they're talking about the topic the next week or yeah. that it was happening it is the topic that was being talked about the week prior and and David Cross is progressively losing his hair but um yeah I uh I, I was trying to think because I didn't really see too much uh, uh fanfare around this Pete and I don't know so is it just I I mean should I be upset I mean I guess I'm deferring to you where I guess you are also a person suffering from this or we could defer to us both I I would like to raise I would like to put my vote towards I don't think the NHL has done a good job of advertising this specific one. I know they do a good job with winter classic stuff because, you know, it's their thing, maybe because the Heritage Classic is not always been their thing. You know, it's kind of like a. You know, an offshoot of like kind of just like a Canadian centric thing, because theirs was actually the one of the first games before the. Buffalo and Penguins won at uh, the Bills Stadium. So it's the Heritage Classic is considered the forerunner to the Winter Classic, but they just but they still don't advertise it as well. So do you have any thoughts or or theories behind why the league continues to get in its own <laughs> its own way <laughs> every time? Nope. Moving on to the next topic. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that'd be oh, that'd be good. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, this this is again. This is the the NHL doing what it does best, which is taking one of the most exciting products in the world and and marketing it like trash. They um, basically every year because um, I I don't live you know close to Detroit. So I live in New Jersey, so I can't watch you know like like I don't you know actually I don't get cable either. Um, but you know even if I did, I wouldn't be able to just watch. Uh, you know, the Red Wings, I have to get, you know, some type of package. So I always get the NHL TV package. And it's amazing how like every year uh, they haven't fixed the, the the problems. You know, every year you still get the same bugs and, and it's never changed. Um, but I always I always enjoy sitting down to watch that first game and seeing which commercials am I going to hate this year? Uh, you know, which <laughs> commercials I'm, am I going to see every two minutes? Uh, you know, I'm going to see them once or twice during every stoppage of play. Um, and this year, like, I, I kind of feel bad saying this because I, I really do like Linda Cohn. Uh, she's long been a voice for hockey. Like I remember when she was on Sports Center like a long time ago, you know, she was one of the few people there that really like, you know, seemed to care about hockey. Um, you know, you know, she really loves the sport. You know, it's a genuine you know, genuine like for the sport. It's not just, you know, that's her job and she has to pretend to like it. Um, but man, that uh, like that commercial is is not great. Um, the uh, what, the behind the scenes one or whatever, uh, whatever yeah. their show is called. And I feel bad because, like I said, I really like her and I'm just like, oh, why, uh, yeah. why did they make her do that? You know, <laughs> why did they give her those lines? Um, 
but yeah, the NHL is really bad at this. They're very, very, very bad at it. Um, <laughs> really, really, really bad. Um, I mean, at this point, yeah. like, I don't know that anything is going to change because if anything were going to change, it would have to mean a change at the top because the people who are running the league seem to be fine with this perpetual like ineptness uh, to market their product. Um, so I just I think it's going to continue to be bad. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like like it's it's partially that you know their games are on channels that. Uh, you, you know, you know, they don't have games on the, you know, every now and then they'll have a game on NBC, but it's not that often. Right. Um, Correct. you know, their games are on NBCSN, NHL network. Um, you know, it's, it's different than the pro, the other pro sports where they're easier to find, I guess, if you want to say that, um, yep. Like, you know, you don't need a special channel. You don't need to get Fox sports, whatever, you know, whatever region you're in. Um, it's yep. on NBC or Fox or ABC or whatever, uh, CBS. And so, uh, I, I think, I mean, I think it's just kind of, it's just, uh, 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 what do you want to call it? Like, um, uh, like a ripple effect from, from that, you know? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think that sums it up. I, I like, I, I mean, I'm glad I know about it because I like watching outdoor hockey games. I think they're cool. It's just, it's a really Gosh, you know, it's what there's a phrase I always like to 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 use, Pete. It's it's finding new and exciting ways to suck. And gosh, if the NHL hasn't just passed that test with flying colors every single year. (laughs) Um, So so there's that. But um, because it is a New Jersey thing, we still we still got, uh, you know, it does satisfy the J requirement because, yes, the, the Winnipeg Jets are wearing some cool kits. So are the Flames. Um, I, I'm always excited for the NHL to come up with a, albeit under marketed, but still fun opportunity to, uh, showcase some either classic threads or new takes on, on some, some, some newer themes from, from current teams. So I think it, I think it'll be fun. So it, what would be also fun, Pete, is if it's an absolute disaster tonight and people get to listen to this podcast and they get to hear me sound optimistic, <laughs> But they'll call, they'll just go back to the receipts where I'm watching and be like, get this game off my TV. Um, <laughs> Peter, there was there uh, there was another part that uh, happened over this last week, and 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 if you'll permit me, I'd like to regale you with uh, a, a story. Yes, I'm if that's, if I'm very okay. interested to hear this because I I don't know what's coming. This is one of the one of the times where I don't really I'm I'm basically in the same uh the same situation as our listeners. I have no idea what's about to happen, but I'm very excited for it. I'm glad you have that attitude, and I want you to be to be assured that you will be rewarded for such excitement. So, sounds good. Don't don't feel. Don't don't think that this is one of those random things. Where like I have no idea what's coming, and then by the end of it, you're like, I wish I knew what was coming. <laughs> um, so uh, at recording uh, about a week ago, uh, I went to visit uh, my Canadian cousins who live in the uh, Kitchener uh, Waterloo area. And uh, they have a uh, annual Oktoberfest uh, gathering, hangout, and this was the first year I was able to go because most of the time this year I would be 
hip deep in games or just not have the money to go. But this year was a kismet uh, perfect storm that allowed us and uh, me and my wife to go. So uh, because there was a um, fortunate uh, timing in terms of scheduling, we were able to uh, take a night in Toronto. So this was my wife's first time in Toronto and uh, we were uh, blessed with a very cost-effective upgrade to our hotel room to have a great view of the CN Tower, uh, which was awesome. Uh, so uh, that night we uh, uh, went to dinner at Wayne Gretzky's. Uh, for anybody who is in charge of Gretzky's, if you happen to be listening, my wife absolutely adores Mama Gretzky's meatloaf. It was great. Uh, so these the uh, top shelf and old fashions that they served there, they're phenomenal. Uh, but that's not the real story. The, the real story comes the next day, uh, as we were gearing up to leave downtown, uh, we were going to stop at the hockey hall of fame and, uh, the fun part about being in a different country, knowing that they are completely opposite from certain sports tastes. I, I took it upon myself to wear as, uh, blatantly obvious, as possible Red Wings paraphernalia in the city of Toronto. So I'm walking around and, and uh, uh, I got my jacket, you know, it's a very nice Toronto day, especially for October. I think it was like, you know, mid fifties, just, just brisk, awesome day. And uh, I'm walking down the street and there are people with Leafs shirts on Leafs hats. And Peter, I got to tell you, nobody said anything to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it, it was really weird. Yeah. Nobody, Nobody said a word. It was very odd. And I, I thought maybe I was getting punked. I thought maybe <laughs> I was in an episode of, of the Twilight Zone because I thought for sure the second I stepped out onto the great streets of T.O. wearing a Red Wing shirt, it would have been like like blood in the water, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. All of the Toronto Leafs fans' eyes roll back. Suddenly you hear Robert Shaw's voice in the back of your head. Those eyes roll back like Dallas eyes, black eyes. First, you know. The first bite, you don't know he's got you. You know, I would have seriously thought I would have been hounded like the Beatles, yeah. but I was not. And I was, you know what? I was actually doing okay. I was actually feeling better about it as the day went on because nobody was saying anything. And then the time came to get lunch slash brunch. And uh, so this is a Friday, and I just want anybody from Toronto to know that as Someone who is vacationing, even briefly, in your fair city, please, please, please consider adding Friday as a weekend so that you actually have your brunch options. Because <laughs> there were so many places I wanted to go to for brunch, and you guys didn't have it until Saturday or Sunday. It was really disappointing. But I digress. Uh, we were able to find a nice little spot called La Papillon. I believe that's French for the butterfly. I, I, I like how we start off this uh this uh, uh, podcast about uh, lost in translation things, and we just keep rolling through. Um, and so it, it turned out to be kind of a nicer place than I had thought. The outside of it was very unassuming, uh, but we stepped inside is very, you know, wine glasses on every table. So this is the fancy brunch place, right? So I take my jacket off and it's a Red Wings hooded sweatshirt that I have on one of my favorites. And a very lovely uh, server comes by and he says, hey, welcome to La Papillon. How are you guys doing today? Great. Awesome. Uh, uh, happy to have you here. Um, you know, can I get you guys something to drink? And I was like, yeah, I'm just uh, I'll just start with uh, with a water. And my wife's like, I'll just take a water as well. 
And he says, great, I'll be right back. And then he leans in very close to me. And in the most polite Canadian way, he says, and furthermore, would you please take that shirt off? (laughs) I I thought he was going to say Hail Hydra. (laughs) I know, right? That would have been, that would have been a real nice tie in, but sadly, no, I, I, I knew that walking through the streets of Toronto, if I didn't get it on the streets, I was going to get it elsewhere. And sure enough, it would be where I was about to find. So, uh, I, I was I was very excited. He was he was very tug in cheek about it. It was uh, it led to a very lovely conversation about him having uh, uh, a bunch of friends who are in fact Red Wings fans, and he always likes to give them crap when they visit. And uh, it, it was fun. So it was a neat little you know kind of building up tension. Like okay, where's it going to come from? <laughs> right, kind of like Jim waiting for Dwight to nail him with the with the with the snowball, and then they walk out into the parking lot, and there's snowmen everywhere, and they're like, go go, just run go. <laughs> so. So that was fun. So we had we had uh, we had a lovely brunch, and then we went to the Hockey Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. where uh, I, I guess I'm doing some free plugging publicity for the Hockey Hall of Fame. So Hockey Hall of Fame, if you're listening, you're welcome. You can send my uh, my usual fee to uh, the address we agreed on aforementioned before this. Mm-hmm. So uh, currently, through uh, so now through March of next year, the Hockey Hall of Fame is hosting the nine and 99 exhibit which is all Gordie Howe all Wayne Gretzky mm-hmm. stuff and I gotta say Pete this is if you can now most of the stuff they already had but it's actually a bunch of it they didn't and uh or they didn't at least have out and um they have it all in one place it's right up towards the front of the hall of fame and I gotta tell you some of this stuff is just the coolest stuff to have near each other because we all know the 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 intertwining of their of Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky's legacies. We all know the famous photo of of a very young Wayne Gretzky uh, almost getting decapitated by Gordie Howe's stick, which is fun. Um, it's a very nice setup, and I I what's the word? I am I implore hockey fans that if they do have the chance between now and March of next year to check out this exhibit, please do. Um, again, the Gretzky stuff and the house stuff, I, I like to think that most of it was already there in the first place, but they, they've really expanded on the amount of stuff that's there. There's a lot of like, again, Walter Gretzky, geez, give this guy, I don't know, they'll either like the, the Nobel prize for hoarding, just the amount of stuff that he kept, the amount of stuff that, uh, of Gretzky's career that is intact and and on display is is breathtaking and there's there's even a, a very large contingent of Gordie Howe stuff that you know I, if I, I I'm not sure if the Howe family was the the same way as as the Gretzky family was about retaining artifacts and stuff but it's just a phenomenal exhibit please go check it out it 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 and they have really great videos they're usually in that main hangout area there's usually kind of a rotation of a bunch of the old NHL document, you know, NHL network documentary stuff talking about different players like Johnny Bauer and, uh, and, uh, Phil Esposito and Tony Esposito does. But right now it's been on a constant loop of just all the Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky stuff. And it's just phenomenal. So Peter, I say to you, for some reason you win the lottery, knock over a liquor store, do something that gave you an X amount of money that will allow you to go see this, please go check it out. It's a lot of fun, not only for the exhibit itself, but also they had, and, and I, again, I'm shocked that I get to say this, Pete, they had some pretty cool merch 
for the exhibit, and I actually bought two shirts. Cool. There, it's a Wayne Gretzky shirt that says "The Great One," and it has his number on it, and it has a list of their of of some of you know some of his accomplishments because he's got like sixty plus freaking records in the record right. books, right? right? Yeah. And then there's a one that says, then there's one that says "Mr. Hockey," and it's got number nine in the middle. So they're two really great shirts, and um, it's a real nice setup. So. For all the hockey folk out there, I don't know if you have a trip to Toronto coming up or if you're wondering what to do with your with your lives between now and, and next year, um, consider this an option. It's it's really great. There's a lot of fun history, a lot of fun stories going on there. And uh, there's a picture on one of the Gordie Howe exhibits of Gordie Howe holding a photo of, uh, oh, sorry, not holding a photo, holding the Stanley Cup, to which prompted my wife to very seriously say, oh, my God. What a smoke mm. show! So, <laughs> so for everybody wanting some real, some some real uh, honest uh, opinions of just how much of a good looking man Gordy Howe is and was, this is oh the place boy. to go. So, so that's my story. It might might not be the most interesting, but uh, I think the moral of the story is that just when you least expect it, you're going to get burned by a Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Yeah. So. Yep, they'll, they'll always come through for that. You uh, you never have to worry about that not happening uh, is the lesson that I've learned from being <laughs> online around Toronto people. So that brings us to the end of our show. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with episode 58. If you want to follow us on all the social medias, here's how you can do that. You can follow me at P Flynn Hockey on Twitter. You can follow Jay at the Roar underscore 24. You could follow the podcast at 200 foot pod 200 FTPOD. You can follow our guest, Chris uh, Watkins, at on Twitter at Yolo Pinato. So Y O L O underscore P I N Y A T O. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash for sure pod, F E R S U R E P O D. And you can find merchandise if you want in, uh, in our store. You can get there uh, through the link tinyurl.com slash for shirt, F E R S H I R T. So thanks a lot for listening, and for we'll sure. see you back in a couple weeks. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure, 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 for sure,